Hey, welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to the Millennial Minute. This is Nick. And this is Harrell. We are back at it. We are back at it. Tonight, we're going to talk about two things that either is going to make you jump for joy or run like hell. We're going to talk about productivity and we're going to talk about fruitfulness. fruitfulness. It, it's, yeah. it's well long overdue, literally. It's overdue. overdue. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> What what's so interesting about this on tonight's topic? I want to talk about fruitfulness first, yep. because I hate to say it, there were so many prophecies about twenty twenty, and this would be the year of perfect vision, and God was going to do so much for the people, and it it showed that there was some fruitfulness that did take place. Yeah, we we did have to shift our mindsets from having to be caught within ministry being within the four traditional walls of the church. And we went virtual and it allowed more people who normally would not be included to, to become a part of. But when we look at fruitfulness, what we have to remember and what's very profound, we often liken it to uh, in the beginning in the book of Genesis, yeah, where it says that, you know, God tells man to be fruitful and he tells them to multiply. But one of the things I want to focus on is the, the word fruit. Not, not, not fruitfulness. I want, I want to focus on fruit. Because he tells Adam to be fruitful. Yeah. Full fruit. Yeah. Full fruit. Now, see, I, we ain't talking about the little decrepit ones that got brown spots on them. And they sell them to you for 10 cents. Instead of three for a dollar, <laughs> we're talking about fruitfulness, full fruit. Fruit, in my opinion, according to scripture, he tells Adam to be fruitful. But one of the things that we have to understand is in order for fruit to be present, there has to be a seed. Yeah. So that means that there was already seed that was an Adam to be able to produce the fruit that God had called him to produce. Yeah. What amazes us with many of us is we're looking to obtain seeds from other people. We're looking to obtain seeds by the bishop laying his hands on somebody. We're looking to obtain seeds because we spent 1995 to have a prayer cloth sent to us that touched the sweat of the brow of the Archbishop Catalone from Rome. We, 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 we're looking for substitutive things to make us fruitful. But we are not looking at the seed in the things that God has placed into us where he has called us to be fruitful. Adam didn't have any competition. Adam wasn't trying to compete with other people in the church. Adam wasn't trying to compete with people on his job. Adam was the one-man CEO until, of course, he came crashing down like Enron. But that's a whole different story there. He was fruitful because what God had ordained and called for him to do, he had the seed in him to be able to produce that. And I want to challenge some of you is stop trying to go to Walmart. Stop trying to go to Kmart. Stop trying to go to farmer's markets looking for seeds when you need to look in the inventory of what God has planted within you. I got it. Man, I'm going to hit you with a couple of things and just be ready. When we was talking earlier, we was talking about how sometimes when people operate outside their call and outside their gift. Oh, boy. And when they operate outside their call and they operate outside their gift, you find them being, in a sense, unfruitful. Because the things that they should manifest or the things that should come out of them doesn't come out. And it doesn't come out in the full capacity that the fruit should be. So when you measure it up, if, if a prophet be a prophet and they don't prophesy, then what, what value does that prophet have when the word of God is supposed to come out their mouth so that faith can be given to the hearers? Mm. But if the prophet never prophesies, where is faith then? And then without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's right. And so, faith coming by hearing. And hearing from the word of God. That's right. So if you don't have the person to speak, if you don't have a preacher to preach, if you don't have these people or whoever, whoever, whatever gifting that God has given you, 
when you don't do that, you wonder why you're not being productive or you're being fruitful. It's because the ways of a transgressor is hard. Mm-hmm. Whenever you operate outside of your gifting, outside of your calling, not only do you become a transgressor, but you become a liar yourself. You lie against your call. Mm. You lie against your gift. Mm. And a liar will not tarry in the presence of God. Ooh-wee. So the reality is sometimes when we're looking at that, we're looking at because we have the outward appearance of things. But inwardly, we have no seed. Let me go to this one. This is the second thing. Ooh-wee. Whenever you're going to these GMO type locations and these GMO type fruits so that you look the part. But the reality is, though you have the part, you have no seed in you. Oh. So when you're looking at when you're going to, let's say you're going to the supermarket and you're looking for you're looking for grapes, you're looking for uh, you're looking for different types of vegetation, different types of fruit. But I'm going to use grapes in particular. Many of us understand what red seedless grapes are. Genetically altered. But not just that. The fact of the matter is they're grapes, but they have no seed. That's right. So in essence, when you're operating outside of your call, you look like the fruit, but you have no seed inside of you to replicate what should be there. Oh, boy. So the reality is at this point in time, we have to take a take a strong assessment of who we are, what God has called us to do. And if we're being in that position and if we're operating within that grace, because if we're not, not only are we not going to be unfruitful, not only will we not be unproductive, but then we, we begin to transgress against God in our call. Our way will be made hard and that makes us a liar against what God has created us to be. That's that's yeah. But you know what, though? I almost I, I want to say this and some people may say it's kind of out of pocket for me to say, but too bad this ain't your podcast. But um, <laughs> I find it comical. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I find it comical. All right. Like to see people try to operate outside of their giftings in the spirit realm. Like to me, it's a joke. It, it's a joke because yeah. it's like you appear to other people that you're anointed, that you're impactful, that the hand of God himself is on you. But what I see is like, I see someone like me trying to run a marathon. Mm. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. The only marathon I may do is 1K. And that's a thousand steps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not running 25 kilometers. It's not happening. Just like how some people try to teach. But you ain't got no word in you. Some people, some people try to prophesy, and they're listening to what other people have prophesied, and then trying to say, well, let's say it the Lord. Uh, one of the things that why I say it's comical is, uh, I know this ain't right for me to say, but it is biblical. It reminds me of seven sons of Sceva. You know, <laughs> I command you to come out in, in Jesus, the name that Paul uses. And that demon looked up, and he hit that stick man, and he said, what did you say? <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> Sounded like stick man. Sure did. He, he, <laughs> he, turned up, he turned his head up and said, blah, 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 what did you say? <laughs> well, Paul, I know. Jesus, Jesus I, I know. know. Peter, I know. But who are but you? who are you? Right. And then he even got to the point to where he said, because you irritated me, I'm going to whip your behind and take your clothes off of you and have you run out of here naked and bleeding. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't realize is, too, according to what you said, if you're operating outside of the giftings that God has given to you, you don't have the anointing to protect you from the demons that are ready to whip your behind for doing it. You do not. And people don't even think about that. You want to be a prophet, but God hadn't graced you for it? Well, you deal with the things that come from that realm when you try to operate in there. God doesn't have to, God does not have to buy what he does not order. If he does not order for you to be a prophet, he does not have to pay the cost or cover the cost of you becoming one. You know, and that's one of the things that we have to remember is not even just spiritually, but even naturally. Many of us are doing things that we don't have the spiritual discernment or the discerning of spirits to do. One of the most profound things... That happened this week. You know, everybody always says, oh, I'm going through and 
Oh, I, I want to shout out Pastor Rodney Hargrove. I want to shout out Pastor Rodney Hargrove, one of the realists I've ever met. You know, I, I talked about him the other day on Facebook, but I'm going to tell it again. He was arrested this past weekend for preaching the gospel. For preaching the gospel, yes. The same thing that conservatives and Democrats voted on when they listened to Madeleine O'Hare and decided to remove prayer from school based off of the First Amendment because she was an atheist. It's amazing how the court system leaned and allowed this to happen. And many of you conservatives who say, well, you know, the Supreme Court is why prayer isn't in school. Well, my thing is to you, I want to know where your outrage is now. Because Pastor Hargrove was just walking around quoting John chapter 3, verses 16, 17, and 18. He did not pass out any literature to anybody because that could be considered to be soliciting right. while, he was in, while he was in a shopping mall. When he was asked to leave, he made a very objective comment. He said, well, people are cussing and everything else. So if I have to be quiet, why is it that people don't have to use profane language uh, around me as being a preacher. So he's walking to his car. Cops tell him he's detained. He has his lawyer on the phone. The cop, you know, tells him when well, he has to leave, he says, well, I'll gladly leave, you know, if y'all stop detaining me. They don't. They ask for a supervisor. And the supervisor comes. He asks him, well, you know, are you trying to leave? He said, I'm trying to, but y'all are still keeping me here. They arrest him. And, and and don't even tell him from what he what he read to us, Miranda V, Arizona, they detained him. I didn't hear any probable cause. I didn't hear any reasonable suspicion to even believe that there was a crime that had been committed to warrant a government seizure with the Fourth Amendment for probable cause. Nor did I even hear that he was Mirandized. Right. And this is a joke of why people are trying to say, well, you know, the justice system is under God. This has nothing to do with God's characteristics. It's unfruitful in itself. It doesn't serve to, to give justice to those who are oppressed. Matter of fact, this is a perfect example of its unfruitfulness to the degree that it became oppressive. Yeah. A man that was talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ something that many of you who may even listen to this show are ashamed to do in a public atmosphere or even profess that he is your Lord and Savior, worried about what people will say about you, worried about what people on the job will say about you or, any, or anything else. And what we have to understand is because he was fruitful and operating in the giftings of what God called him to do, God covered him and graced him, but the enemy reared his ugly head to try to silence his mouth. Yep. And you can imagine how much worse it is for you to be fruitful and face that type of persecution than it would be to be unfruitful because you're not operating in your position of what God called you to do and still have to deal with this type of recompense and backlash from the enemy. And on that same note, it's two things I got for that. I got two things. On Come two on, points. man. So one of the things that I'm glad you said this earlier was, is because sometimes people begin to be unfruitful because they're too weak against oppression. Go on. So when you look at it from this, oppression is always something that happens from an external place mm -hmm. that affects you internally, that inhibits you to be able to produce. Let me give you like this. When you're constantly being taught something that you're not able to be, when you're constantly being told something that you're not elevated enough to understand, when you're constantly physically pushed down or pinned down, that means that that's a form of oppression. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it in society today, people, especially this example, think people are being suppressed and oppressed in order for them not to become and speak up what needs to be spoken. And so what happens is what's internal that's in your mind that's always spoken to you is, I can't do this because if I do this, this is going to happen. I can't do that because of this and that. And so what happens is now you have the wrong seed inside of you, which is called fear. Mm -hmm. And then fear, as it becomes a seed inside of you, once it manifests, that means that now oppression is not outside of you. 
but oppression is now inside of you. And now oppression that should be external, that should be rebuked, that should be fought against, that we should have boldness as a lion rearing against it. No, now it's something that becomes internalized. And as it becomes internalized, it infiltrates our very mind, our very heart, our very spirit. And it actually corrupts the seed on the inside of us that causes us to stop being fruitful and to be unproductive. Absolutely. All, and then the other thing that makes me think of that is when you have the image of God, <laughs> but you deny his power. One of the things happen is we become just like the fig tree by the side of the road that Jesus walked by, mm -hmm. where we present ourselves as being stable. We present ourselves as though we have things going on. We present ourselves. We have our leaves showing. God, I feel you tonight. We have our leaves showing. But when Jesus walks up on the scene and expects something from you, you have nothing to give. Absolutely. And that's, that's the very, this is the very opposite of the same story. The same story you said, this guy got oppressed because of what he was supposed to be doing. He was speaking and preaching the word. And all he was saying was, that Jesus is a son of God <laughs> and there's no other way to God except through him. He was giving him John 3, 16, 17 and 18. That's right. He was giving him basic core principles, basic core scripture, basics. He wasn't even deep and smoky. But then you turn around people that have a, supposed to have a greater well of, of knowledge. People that are supposed to have a greater wealth of understanding. People that present themselves. So let me go ahead and go, go just completely wrong. We have preachers, we have prophets, we have evangelists, we have teachers, we have those that say that they are believers. But when it comes down to it, their own fear becomes their own their own weakening tool and their own oppressive state. And now they cannot produce anything because fear becomes to cripple you. Fear mm -hmm. stops you. And if fear stops you, then you can't do anything at all. Absolutely. And what people have to realize is, too, part of fruitfulness with harvest time means that the seed that was once placed in the ground has to break through the ground to make to make its appearance yes for you to be able to know that it's present some of you have to understand the hellish things that you fight the things that you have to press and push through is how you get your harvest yes the the harvest doesn't come because it stayed in the ground the harvest comes because it broke through the ground that was trying to insulate and keep it in the ground. And therefore, exactly. And what many of you have to understand is that the, the legislation that's passed, you know, for example, shout out to Texas, especially Greg Abbott. Great idea. So we're not going to talk about slavery because it makes white people uncomfortable. Well, I'm sorry, Governor Abbott. The same way how you may feel uncomfortable with people that can walk with your wheelchair is the same way that you seem to think that black people are supposed to feel because of you saying that we can't talk about slavery. If that's the if that's the case in hell, you need to change the name of the city of Houston that's named after Sam Houston. You need to get rid of every high school that's named after Sam Houston. You need to get rid of Travis County here in Texas that's named after William B. Travis. You need to get rid of San Jacinto Way, which had to do with the fact that white people tried to take from Mexico and, and the Battle of San Jacinto. See, if we're, if we're going to take the fact that white frailty and white people don't mm. want to feel oppressed mm. about their history, you have no business trying to pass laws that oppress other people about how they should feel about their history that white people have oppressed and infringed on them. You said that we couldn't talk about Dr. Martin Luther King. And to be honest with you, he's probably the happiest Negro out of all of them in the 60s. Because at least he wasn't telling black people to take up arms against you white folks. But even he was a threat because you removed him out the critical thinking bill. I, you know, I expected you to say Malcolm X because God forbid black people get guns, but the white man has to give up his. It's amazing to me with systematic oppression, even within our society, white people have a fear of us. Black people should not have a fear of white people. And I'm going to say that again. Black people should not have a fear of white people because white people have done everything they could to try to oppress and destroy us. And we have still remained fruitful. We have still multiplied. We have still led 
in industries, we have still caused culture to come into this manila and vanilla America. We've even taught some of you how to put seasonings on food because salt and pepper ain't it. How to wash your bodies. Bathing. And some of you don't even want to talk about that because it was the Egyptians that taught the Romans when Alexander was coming down there to holler at Cleopatra. Oh, yeah, you white boys have been liking black women a whole long time, not just in slavery with your mixed mulatto kids, which is how the institution of Howard was formed because you didn't want black people at Georgetown, but you had Howard so the mulattoes could be educated. That, that's a whole different story. But even through systematic oppression, black people are still here. Yeah. My question to you is, if black people did to you what you've done to them, would you still be here? Mm-hmm. That's the question. And that's the reason why God is always on the side of the oppressor. Not of the oppressor, I'm sorry, but the oppressed. God is always on the side of the oppressed. That same Pharaoh spirit that said to kill all the firstborn males and all the males that were under two in Egypt, because if they continue to multiply, they could outdo and outnumber us. Well, let me ask you something, since we're going to talk about fruitfulness. You call black people the N-word. I'm not going to say it this time, because, yeah, I caught so much backlash for that. But, um... (laughs) Oh, yeah, people were pissed. And, yeah, I said pissed, and that's okay, too. What we had to understand was this, was that if black people were so inferior, black people were so stupid, black people were so ignorant, they were so ghetto, they were so trashy. Let me ask you, why is it that you tried to deprive them education? If they were stupid, ignorant, and ghetto, even if you gave them an equal uh, equal education opportunity to white people, they wouldn't have been able to be fruitful with it. Right. The reason why you always tried to stack the deck against them is because you knew who they truly were, and you had to hide who you were not by how you oppressed. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in and talk about this a little bit deeper. I'm gonna drive this thing today because I've been building this up. This, this is this is. Mm, I ate my broccoli kind of tension. What we gotta understand what's so profound about this is as I read the book of white liberals and black rednecks. Mm. Shout out to Ian Blair. I appreciate you for that book. Good read. One of the things that I had to realize is, are you ready for this? I'm going to read just from the first page. See, I got it memorized in here, and it's in my heart. They won't work. They're lazy. Don't nobody want to hire them. They're a detriment to society. Oh, yeah, they, they, they ain't worth the, the skin that they're in. What do those stereotypes sound like? A lot of times what people say about black people. Absolutely. Do you know who those stereotypes were about? That's how northern white men viewed southern white men when they tried to come up to the Midwest and into the industrial areas of the United States after the Civil War, after they got their behinds kicked. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that southern white folks say about black people is really because it's displaced anger because that's how northern white people look down on southern white folks. And that's something they ain't going to tell you. And for all you who's going to say, well, oh, that's bias. Somebody black wrote that. No, 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 no. This was from the National Institution of Social Sciences. White people wrote these articles. Your own folks. So don't even try to pass the buck and say that this is probably some liberal agenda and it's jaded. Nah, they were conservative rednecks just like yourself. They just happened to be northern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to drive this home because, yeah, fruitfulness. And one of the things that got me is that we, me and you have made the, the, the thesis of how the antithesis of, of fruitfulness and productivity is oppression. Yeah. It is. And what many of us have to understand is I, I, Bishop McKissick, shout out to you, Q. You said something that changed my life. Not for real, for real. You know, not, not, the, not these little jack leg sermons where people run around the church screaming like their hair is on fire and then you ask them what was taught and they don't remember nothing. Not, not, not one of these sermons. For God's sake, we got so many of them anyway now. It's almost like they should have a kid's bop collection. But um, 
Yeah, you know, <laughs> Sugary Sermons, Volume One. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm irritated today. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So my question to you is this: He says, when Adam has sinned. See, everybody in Bishop McKissick, shout out to you. Everybody theologically focuses on, Adam, where art thou? Mm -mm, that ain't the real question. Bishop McKissick said the real question is, who told you? Yeah. yeah. Who, 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 who told you that yeah. black was ugly? Who, who, who told you that you were a nigger? Yeah, I said it this time. I, I don't care. Y'all can stop subscribing and listening if you don't like it. Who, who, who told you that your lips were ugly? Who, who told you to hate yourself and to hate other black people and to, to see Jesus as white? Who, who, who told you he was white? You know, I know it's Pride Month, so I'm not going to touch on that too much, but Caesar Borgia, y'all need to look him up. That's... That's what the white man told you Jesus is, is Caesar Borgia. And when you understand who Caesar Borgia and Serapis, Serapis Christus is, you'll understand why that's a form of religious uh, oppression. Because uh, who, who, who told you that if the first Adam was made from the clay of the dirt of the ground, that he, he was a white man with blonde hair and blue eyes? Who, 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 who told you? That when they tried to replicate Eve's genetic code in the movie Lucy and use a white woman when the remains of the oldest woman with the God gene in her, who they called Lucy, was actually the remains were found in Africa close to the Nile and the, um, the Nile River and close to Cairo. Who, who, who told you that you having full hips? And that you you having a little bit of stomach was unattractive, and you needed to lose weight. Are, are you aware that it was that in in African cultures that you being full figured is a sign a sign of wealth, yeah. because you have the ability to be able to eat and have sustenance. And that means that you have the ability to carry a child and bear children safely. Absolutely. You know who 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 told you that your hair had to be straight, and you had to be have permed hair for white folks not to feel uncomfortable who, who who told you that you were destined to be broke who told you that you were a crackhead who who told you that you'll never be anything that you'll never be anything yeah. see the problem was is that we looked at adam where art thou but we don't look at who told us the things that we believe we don't look at who produced things in the media who told us what to believe we don't look at who wrote the stories that we share on facebook and and viewers truth and as if god said it himself but forgetting that the bible tells us that satan controls the things of the air that includes internet waves music and radio waves yeah. uh the the transmissions that take place Satellite for you to series. share your your posts on Facebook. Who 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 told you? And the fact that you've just been dropping all this and driving it, I just I I would be remiss if we don't at least give some at least some insight to how for how people to be productive and fruitful. Absolutely. Because one of the things that that has to happen first, whenever you're whenever you're planning anything, whenever you're um Whenever you're ready to cultivate anything, let me use that word to cultivate something because cultivate means that you have to have care. You have to have time. You have to have nurturing that goes involved in it. So when you're cultivating something, the first thing that's important is you have to clear out your land. That means you got to get rid of all the other mess that's around you. That means that you got to get rid of the negativity. You got to get rid of the things that's speaking to you as you was talking about. That as Satan has rulership over the airwaves, things that's in the air, he's a, considered the prince of the air. The thing is, you have to be able to control what is coming into your gates. When we talked about it last time, mm -hmm. you have to be able to understand, be the guard and be the sentry there to stand guard and make sure that anything that's not of God or anything that's not of what your wealth should be or speaks to your own purpose is not allowed into you no more. Clear your land. Clear mm -hmm. that first. Once you get that done, you clear your land and you have something that's guarding your gate. So you're not looking at stupid, stupid stuff. You're not listening to stupid stuff to try to implant fear 
and try to implant oppression into your mind. Because then if you're listening to something, the real thing that got Adam in trouble, it wasn't the fact that he ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's not the reason why he got in trouble. Mm. He got in trouble because he listened to another voice other than God. The Bible says this. It says, because you have listened to your woman, you'd listen to your wife and ate of the tree. It's first and foremost, you listen to something else that was not me. And whenever you got away from the instruction that was from me, you didn't clear out your land. Mm. You didn't guard your gate. You allowed something into you. And then you said, I'm going to allow this to be implanted into my mind. And in my mind, that is a garden. So as that garden Mm. has a seed, the seed is now corrupted because you put a corrupted seed that brought forth death. Mm. So now sin has been planted inside of the mind, which at the end of sin, once it's fulfilled, it's nothing but death there. So if you don't click, Mm. go ahead, go ahead. I know that was good. No, 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 because you just made me think, man. You just made me think. Because think about this. It started with Adam being planted in the garden. Right. He was because, placed there. Because it was the right seed. Right. But when he ate of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, thorns and thistles is what came because of the, the antithesis of what came to ate up the seed that was in him, which makes sense why it said that it would be the seed of the woman that would have to, to bruise, bruise the, the head. head of the serpent. And the, and the serpent would bruise his heel. So the reason, so first and foremost, you have to clear out your land. Yes. Clear out your space. Yes. So if you have a room in your house, we're going to break, I'm going to try to bring this home for you and make it as practical as possible because I want this to really help somebody. You have to clear out a space where there's absolutely nothing around you to obstruct your view, obstruct your mindset, or to distract you. That's right. Once you get that space cleared, it doesn't matter if it's a closet. If it's an open room, it don't matter if it's your back patio. It doesn't matter if it's your kitchen. It don't matter if it's your toilet in your bathroom. Whatever it is, clear out that space to make sure that you're not distracted. The second thing is you have to understand and have to learn how to plow your land. Come on now. Are you plowing your land? That means that you have to, once you're clearing land, you have to be aware of the type of seasons that happen in the land that you're in. Catch this. If you, if you clear out a closet, and that's you're going to be your space. So you say that this is where I want to plant myself. If you're going to clear out a closet, that means that you have to understand whatever you go into a season, how does a closet or what manifests within the closet? That means that I have to be able to understand that there's going to be revelation. God is going to reveal certain things and God is going to speak. But if I'm waiting for those things, that means that God is going to rain. God is going to bring sunshine and God is also going to cultivate. What am I meaning? The Bible says this. It says that one man planteth, another man watereth, but God provideth increase. If you're in the closet, is that a place for you to be fruitful enough to be able to hear the word, receive the word, allow worship to go forward to water it, allow praise to manifest in order to break up the fallow ground, and then allow the word of God to be planted on the inside so that you can receive the increase. That's the first part. Mm-hmm. So then after that, if you find the place, I feel God, I tell you, man, and when you're plowing your land, you have to understand all land ain't the same. No. Oh, God. When you sitting here and you saying that I want this open space to be here, that means that you have to literally Move away certain things, certain dirt, certain types of debris. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you might need some extra fabuloso. Sometimes you might need the bleach in order to clean out the scents that might have been there. Because we don't know. You might have been sleeping with your side chick or your main dude or his husband. I don't know. You could have been doing all these other things. And I said that on purpose. You could be sleeping with the wrong types of things. Or you could be entertaining the wrong types of things in that atmosphere. And you need to clear out that space. You need to clear it out. I'm not talking about you need to start burning sage and get other stuff like that. But what I am saying is that you need to apply prayer into that into that place. You need to apply prayer in that, in that place. And you need to make sure that every distraction, everything is conducive for the seed to be received. I'm not even talking about increase yet. Once you have the ground plowed, <laughs> after the ground has been plowed, then you have to be able to understand I need to put myself in a place and allow nobody to be able to come in or distract me. I need to cover myself. That's very true. Because the thing about a seed that's so important is you never leave a seed on top of the ground. No. Because 
Jesus said it like this. When they were casting seed, some fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And the ones that fell by the wayside, what happened to those? They were trampled. They were trampled up on the feet. But the other ones that were outside, that were cast out in the field, guess what happened? Birds came and ate of them. But why is that, though? They came out. And, for one, here, catch this one. Nah, because I want you to say it. Birds. No, nah, you're going to say it. But birds come to be opportunistic. Is it because I'm black? Yeah, it is. Cause it oh, okay. But <laughs> birds are opportunistic feeders. So those the birds are the people that come in to prey on you. They see something in you, and all they want to do is take from you. Mm-hmm. They see something upon you. All they want to do is use you. Mm-hmm. Those are the birds. The, and guess what? If we look at it in a more uh, in a different version, you could think of it as it's a bird of prey. They but, prey upon. But not even just that. Agent of Satan, because they're from the air. I told you you was gonna say it. So they <laughs> and not even just that too. The reason why the birds could eat the seed was because the seed had no root. And, uh, and going, let's go even a little bit higher than that. Before the seed can even have a root, the seed had no covering. Absolutely. So sometimes you got people that's out here trying to operate and they have no covering. They're being rebellious against God because they're saying, hey, I can do this on my own. I'm dealing with all my church hurt. I'm dealing with all my other issues. I'm focusing on me. This man that I slept with for the past couple of years, I just found out that he was in another situation and now my feelings hurt. Or this woman that I've been putting all my heart and soul into, I'm finding out that she really don't look at me like that and that she uses me for everything. Or this this other relationship that I'm coming into where it's like, well, it seems like they always got bread for this and they got bread for this, but they don't ever have bread for me. Or it's like they always have time for me. They have time, they have time for me to kick it with them and sleep with them, but they never have time for me to go out on a date. Listen, I understand I'm in the house. So I just want you to catch it. Yeah. The thing is, you have no covering. That's right. If you have covering, I'm gonna use you for example. Marriage in its in its most simplistic form, the reason why the man is over the woman because the man has the size and the build to physically protect them from harm. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? He's able to cover her if danger was to come. Yeah. Now let me get back to the seed. So once you understand that you're there. You have your space. You have the thing plowed out. Guess what then? Now you can be placed in a position that you're saying, God, I will be here at this specific place whenever it's time for you to speak to me. I'm not going to be running away. I won't be like the song says. She's a runner. She's a track star. Oh boy. She's going to she always find a, get away when it gets hard. I'm not going to be that. I'm going to be in a consistent place. So whenever you come to look for me, I will always be here. And not only that, then I will allow these things to cover me. So you are covering me and hiding me in this season. And guess what? They're saying that I'm not putting all my emphasis and focus on my IG. I'm not putting everything out on TikTok. I'm not putting everything out on Facebook. I'm not putting everything out on social media so that everybody can be saying, oh, I'm doing this and oh, I'm doing that. Sometimes you need to step back for a while mm-hmm. and let nobody see you except God. Exactly. And once you get that, now you get to the next part. This is the good part. Yes. Now we can talk about the fact that now that I've been under, I've been covered. I've been protected. I've had these things happen. Now I can get some roots in me. Yes. And after I get some roots in me, now guess what happens? You begin to draw from the places that would seem like would be a place of darkness, but you're drawing the strength from that place. Let me give it to you like this. The earth is covered and you within the earth. But when a seed sprouts roots, it begins to take the nourishment from the earth in order to produce, to push past the earth. Man. But not even just that. Let me tell you about this. Luke chapter 5, the text me and you spoke about. Yeah. When he talked about he was at the uh, Lake of Genezareth. Mm-hmm. Many theologians write it was the Sea of Galilee. You know what the word Genezareth meant in Greek when I looked it up? Mm-hmm. It meant a fertile place. So he literally toiled in a fertile place because he had no root there. He had no direction. He had no word from God or revelation of where the fish were. Mm. See, the problem with many of us is, is because of the fact that we have unfruitfulness in our life, you can be in a fertile place where you should be able to produce, but you're not because you don't have the right guidance. You don't have the right root. You don't have the right covering and right. you don't have the right suggestion of what it is that you're supposed to do. Part of fruitfulness is that you have to be able to take a command from God. Adam was told by God to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. He was told by God to be fruitful and multiply. 
He didn't read a book. He didn't read Simon Sinek. He didn't read T.D. Jakes. He didn't read Bishop Ivy Hilliard. He didn't watch a show on court TV. He didn't watch some late night infomercial. He was literally told by God to be fruitful and multiply. The command was to be fruitful. It wasn't until Peter got the command to Jesus that he was able to pull so many fish that the boat began to sink in a fruitful place. Yeah. When Peter was going on his own accord, he was operating in a, in a fruitful place, but he was only toiling. Yeah. See, the problem is with many of you is we criticize the children of Israel for being foolish, for having to go around the desert for 40 years. But some of you have been toiling for 30, 45, 50 years in a fruitful place, too, because you, too, have not gotten instruction. You may be in a more technologically advanced society than what they had in Israel, but your spirit is still wandering around because of the fact that you have not gotten grounded or rooted to be able to be fruitful. Right. Seed completely thrown and tossed to and fro can never gain root, but seed that is intentionally planted in accordance to what the word of God tells you to do, intentional. It's like what the first Psalm says. It's like a tree that is planted by streams of living water, that the fruit will not go bad and that the vines and the leaves will not wither. Some of you have to understand is that when you get to a point of being fruitful, see, the thing is he told them to be fruitful and multiply. You know, you know that you're fruitful oh. because you can create something that God has given you seed for and you can spread it to go everywhere else. Yeah. You can be fruitful and you can multiply. If you can't produce and get out what it is that God has given to you, it's not fruitful. Mm -mm. If you know how to cut hair, it's fruitful because you can cut more than one head. If you know how to do a podcast and give a word like this, it's fruitful because so many more than just one person or two people will hear this. Yeah. It, it, it's about multiplication. Many of you are looking for God to add, but no, he is calling for you to multiply. He is calling for you to be able to get out what he has put into you and to the rest of the world. God is not looking for you to compete. God is looking for you to dominate with what he has given you. In Genesis chapter one, he says, I need you to be fruitful to multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. And the problem is, is that we're still struggling on being fruitful, that we can't even multiply and replenish the earth. So before we can get to the having dominion part, let's, let's first get to making sure that we follow the instructions that's been given and then mm -hmm. become fruitful. Absolutely. And if our fruit, here's a significant thing, and I'm going to close when I say this. There's a significant thing about being fruitful. Fruit always has more seed in it than the seed it originally started with. Absolutely. So my prayer for tonight is, is that the people that are listening or the people that you interact with, that you become fruitful and that you have more seed inside of you to help multiply, replenish. Because once you multiply and replenish, guess what happens? I'm going to use this example. Whenever you have uh, certain types of grass, I'm going to use something that everybody see. Mm -hmm. my, my dad used to always try to plant St. Augustine grass. Oh, boy. And he planted it for a specific reason. St. Augustine grass, in, in a lot of ways, is very aggressive. Because once it gets into the ground and it has the right types of atmosphere around it, not only does it produce, it multiplies, it replenishes the earth around it. And it subdues every other type of grass around it. Mm -hmm. But once once everything it subdues, guess what it has then? Boys. In your yard, you have dominion. Yeah. And that's exactly what God is trying to tell us. He's trying to tell us, use, use the examples of the most simple things. The Bible says it like this, think of the ant. And think of how the ant moves. Mm -hmm. He said, look at the grasshopper. Look at the things that you would look at that you see in the earth. Because God is saying, I'm giving you examples of how to do it. It's just, I need you to apply it. Fruitfulness is a part of your DNA. Sure. Fruitfulness and doing these things is a part of who you are. So if you can't pay attention to that, that means that you have a problem with being distracted and you need to clear your land. And not even just that. I'm, I'm just going to touch on productivity because we really didn't even get into it like I wanted to. Right. But uh, what I'm going to say is, and this was the only scripture I really had for that, is that you have to remember what the Bible says, that you have to count up the cost for a project that you, that you undertake. What, what many of you have to realize is 
Your productivity is linked with how you use things in their most efficient and effective manner. Uh, the fact that you're always late to work shows that you're lazy with your time and you're not productive. The fact that nobody can depend on you to be anywhere on time, if things start at 5, you show up at 6.15, it shows the lack of productivity that you have. If you can sit around and get nothing done and then have to procrastinate and do it at the last minute, it shows that you have no productivity and that you are not a good steward of your time. The main thing I want you to get with productivity, it has to do with stewardship. With the things that you are given, how productive are you with what you use with what you have been given? That is the question I pose to you. I don't really have to go in depth with that. Uh, this is really more of a self-intrinsic evaluation right. with with, um, with productivity. But one of the things I do want you to remember is that with the master, when he dealt with his three servants, um, well, no, I'm going to say slaves just to, just to be, yeah, just to irritate somebody who's mad that they can't use that word because of the legislation. Uh, when he met with his three slaves and there was one that he gave five, one that he gave two, and one that he gave one. One of the things that people miss within this text is we often see that there was a reward and that they could come into the master's uh, lifestyle for those who brought increase versus the one who hid the talent. And, you know, he told me, he said, even if you had taken this to the banker, I could at least drew interest on it if you weren't going to do nothing with it. Right. But one of the things that we have to remember is, too, it also measured their productivity because him returning back to see what they did with what they were given showed not only how they were productive and good stewards of their time, it showed that they had an ability to be fruitful with something. Exactly. And not only that, they multiplied. They got a 100-fold return with what they, what, what they used. But one of the things that we have to remember was so profound about that is that there was an accounting that had to take place. There was an accounting that had to take place when the master came. Yeah, yeah, he had to count up the assets and the debits and credits. He had to make sure that everything looked good on the ledger. And what some of you have to understand is, is that the Bible tells you when you stand before God, Mm -hmm. you will have to give an account. So all of the time that you've wasted trying to hang out and be cool all the time you wasted trying to be on the scene, all the time you wasted trying to turn up, and you lived a life where you built nothing for anybody. See, that's the issue I have with the educational system here in America, because there's people who got more degrees in a thermometer, but they'll die with student loan debt and not build anything with any of the knowledge that they have. They spent their entire life working for other people, they spent their entire life building other people's dreams. And then when God asked, well, what did you build? What did you leave behind in my name's sake? Well, I got two masters. And I, 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 I was a PhD. I was a Rhodes Scholar. But what did you do? Did you build an institution that the church could utilize? Did you even, you know, one of the big things is, did you even leave anything to the church in your will? I'm not saying that you got to make sure that... And the church is not the physical building. Absolutely. The church is, is the, 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 the assembly of the faith. But you know why I say that, though? Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams, shout out to him. One of the things that he, that he mentioned was, he was like, people look forward to dividing up assets and seeing what dead people have left them and their will and stuff like that. He's like, but you have the opportunity too with what you've been given to give into a living organism, which is the church. He's like, so what reward does God have for any of the increase that you may get that somebody else gives you? And when you think about it, it is true. Because one of the things that I look at is, you know, even with some some of the probate issues and affairs and stuff like that that I'm dealing with, I want to make sure that once I'm given whatever I'm supposed to get, that I even honor God with that Mm. in spite of the fact that it was intended for me to be a recipient. Because at the end of the day, I know he can do more with 90% than I can with with 100. Right. So just something to think about stewardship. 
you know, even your relationships with other people, stewardship, you being one of my closest friends, God would hold me responsible for mistreating you because I'm not being a good steward over the friendship that you and I have. People don't think about that. People don't think about the fact that who God has in your life, that you have a stewardship responsibility for the care that you extend or you give to them while God still has them around you. Like people seem to forget that because it's about how I feel today, but that's not productive. It's not productive In, in areas that you don't exercise good stewardship in. It carries over to other areas of your life too. And so in turn, you end up being both unproductive and unfruitful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, I believe that we've, we've accomplished the task that we've been uh, given. So, Father, we thank you now for every word that's been spoken on tonight. We ask that it resonates in the hearts and the minds and the spirits of the people, God. We thank you even now, Lord God, that we understand how to be productive, how to be good stewards, God. Also, God, to understand how to be fruitful and how to multiply. We pray now, Lord, that you cover the people that are listening, that cover the people that are receiving this word. Cover the people, God, even they're going, coming in and are going. And we ask now, Lord, that you be with them, that you continue to speak with them. Allow them to understand that they are seeds planted in fertile ground and that fear is rebuked from their life so that they can produce and they can be productive. That they'll be good stewards of their time, of their talents, their resources, God. These things we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Episode 12 will be coming soon. We look forward to it. Expect a recording within the next week or so, week and a half. And uh, God bless you all. Thank you for your continued support. Friday Night Fire, we're coming up on six years. This upcoming weekend, Saturday, June 12th. Uh, it began in 2015. Please join us uh, this week. Uh, Miss Patrice Tolls will be teaching this Friday night. Um you know, she was the first member of the Friday Night Fire family uh, when it was just her and I. And I was discouraged at the beginning and was ready to uh, end the prayer call because people weren't calling in. And she would get on and just so the line could be open. So I believe that, you know, I want to hear what the Lord God has given to her after being on the line each and every Friday night for the past six years as well. Amen.